The following episode of the Totcast was previously recorded on November 24th. Do all mayors have the same obligations? How hard is it to run a political campaign? And could being the mayor lead to a higher up political office? Well, we talk about all that and more on this episode of The Toddcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Toddcast. As always, I'm your host, Todd McManus, and today we have a very special episode because joining me, he is not only the 34th, but he is the current mayor of Monroe, Louisiana. Please welcome Mayor Friday Ellis. Mayor Ellis, how are you doing today? Doing good, brother. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to come and interview. So, you've done a lot throughout your life, yeah. you probably say. Yeah. But first off, i got to ask, whenever you became mayor, yeah. is there like a White House of Monroe or <laughs> something like that? Actually, I live in a pink house. Oh. <laughs> That's a foresight. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. No, there's no special house we get to live in, and uh, which I think is cool because, um, as I tell people, I still am getting used to the seat. Yeah. In a sense, uh, I still consider myself a small business owner. You know, father. Um, you know, I I don't. You know, the the title I say is going to change me. Uh, I I want to keep it real and um, just. I tell people all the day, all the time, I get to wake up every morning and help people, uh, and that's how I view my job now. Um, so yeah, yeah, no special house, no anything, just a the pink maybe, house, of maybe a cool, a cool office, you know, uh, <laughs> and uh, good people to work with. But yeah, we live in a little pink house off Forsyth. You probably know it by my old blue truck sits out front. So yeah, and one of the things you did before you were mayor, uh-huh. you actually served as a marine. That's right. So. What made you join, yeah. get into the Marines, would well, you say? Yeah, well, a little, uh, known, a little unknown fact is when I graduated high school, um, I joined the Marine Corps shortly after. Um, I had a knee injury uh, that forced me to have surgery on my MCL, and then I had a bunch of bone spurs uh, that were resulted on it that had to get shaved off on my knee. Um, and then I shipped early for boot camp and then, uh, about training week eight, I was in San Diego. My knees started swelling up on me and they, uh, put me in a medical rehabilitation platoon, um, where, um, they told me, Hey, look, you got to go and get rehabilitated before you can come back and join the Marine Corps. Went, came back home, started, you know, part-time in, in college and then working and, you know, caring for my father, um, um, not, you know, I found my, met my wife, we got married and then six months, like three to six months later, 9-11 happened. Um, I knew at some point I wanted to join the military again. Um, but that was just something that solidified that decision to go back and serve. And like many Americans, we, uh, felt the call to serve and the need to serve. And, um, you know, that's, that's something I couldn't deny. And it's scary, you know, going to tell your wife that you you know, we're just married and that, you know, I want to go off and join the Marine Corps of all branches, um, serve my country. And it was, I mean, it was a scary time for us, but my wife, I always have a supportive wife, Ashley. Um, and, um, she understood the desire to do that. Um, selfishly, you know, she wanted me home. Um, but, um, we got to experience a lot of the country together. You know, she followed me every duty station that I went. 
Um, she's an educator. Uh, she you know, taught in San Antonio while I was in training there, and then we moved to California um, when I was stationed in Barstow. Had a logistics base in the middle of Mojave Desert, and she got to teach out there in Inland, California. Um, so we we traveled the country together and shared experiences, and um, it was um, you know it's something that when you there, when you tell you there are no former Marines. Right, you're still a Marine everywhere you go. Um, it is a brotherhood, and I enjoyed my time serving. It's something I'm very proud of, um, and that uh, you know, it's what led me to serve. And how was like the whole experience of being that? Would you say was it a, in the Marine Corps? Yeah, oh, loved it, loved it. <laughs> I mean, it is a brotherhood and a sisterhood. You know, you you. You connect with your brothers and sisters in a way that most only thing I could say in the civilian world would be firefighters and police officers um, where at a moment's notice you can be called to defend your brother and sister to your left and to your right um, and lay down potentially lay down your life for them um, you know one of the guys that I went into uh, boot camp with he was from West Monroe his name's Chad Powell um, excellent friend of mine um, wonderful human being, um, and you know, unfortunately, um, you know, he gave he gave the ultimate sacrifice for his country, and he died uh, serving in the Marine Corps. And to know that, you know, I, I mentioned it in an interview earlier with uh, the news, and I said, um, you know, this is a you have to realize the country we live in. This is an all voluntary force, and that where strangers who don't know one another are willing to serve this country and to lay down their life uh, for not just their own family, but for people they don't even know. Um, and I think that's, A, uh, what makes this country special, but B, it makes us the most elite fighting force in the world. It's because we're voluntarily giving up, you know, yeah. our freedoms. I say freedoms as a civilian to go and defend our country. And um, But yeah, I love the Marine Corps. I love the camaraderie. Uh, we're a little salty. We all, you know, Marines are always going to be the ones to tell you, you know, we'll make fun of all the other branches. But, you know, it's kind of a brotherhood and sisterhood. We, uh, we, you know, the Army gives it back just as good as they give it, you know, uh, gives it as good as they get it. But it's, uh, I, I loved my time in the Marine Corps. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Um, just made some of my best friends and uh, connections and um, from my time in there. And so you got out of the Marines. Yep. And then you've done some business stuff all throughout. Yeah. And then you decided to run for mayor. Yeah. Now, what made you decide to run for mayor? Well, I think there's a, I think it, running for mayor is just a culmination of all the things that I've done in life, um, from serving my country um, to, I actually was an employee for the city of Monroe. I worked in the engineering department as a construction inspector in the uh, project management division. And... You know, my time there helped me understand, you know, some of the gaps and uh, in, in our infrastructure, understood some of our, um, you know, critical infrastructure needs and, and how the city operates. Gave me a little bit of insight there. <clears throat> and then, you know, my time as a small business owner, understanding the struggles of local businesses to get their doors open, uh, understanding the struggles uh, to get support uh, from, you know, their city when it comes to help building their business um and you know it was just a it was a, it was a time to where 
I tell people, you sit around and wait on Superman or Superwoman to show up to change things, it's not going to happen. You know, it's if you want to serve and you want to change things and make things better, you better do it yourself, right? I sat around and I looked and I said, obviously, there's got to be somebody, somebody from the business community, somebody from, um, you know, the contracting world to step up and to to run because I knew there were more people like myself feeling the same way. There are too many assets here in Monroe that just aren't being sold. There's too many good things about our community that aren't being told. And how can we do a better job of that? And I felt like I had enough support from, as I would say, the rest of us living yeah. here in the city, your average Joe or Jane, your parent, your small business owner, um, your college student um, that resonated, that you know, I would be somebody that would resonate and um, they could get behind. And the same way with my wife, she's an, as I mentioned earlier, she's an educator and she's dedicated her whole life to education and educating those who are um, in low to moderate income neighborhoods um, that may not have the resources that th those of us who are, you know, come from a life of privilege get to enjoy. And, um, you know, and there were so many things being, you know, asked of educators and there was policy that are being produced and um, I just, we, we made the commitment that if we want to change outcomes for children and educators and change outcomes for small business and industry, that we had to go and influence policy, right? We had to go and, and, and affect change on a larger scale, and this is the way to do it. And so, uh, so I wasn't the first elected official in the House. Uh, my wife actually is, serves on the Board of Elementary and Secondary Education. She um, represents 19 parishes in the Mississippi Delta. So, whole congressional district, pretty much. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm very proud of her and her, her life's journey and her life's work. Um, and the same way here, I, I think what makes that special is that you have two people under one roof um, who share a common passion and that is moving a community forward. And think about it, I always tell Ashley, I said, you're working on this thing on the front end of things to get children on reading level by the time they enter school and to, to help educators be more effective and uh, to give the support network and systems and the fail safes to put them in place for students to succeed, right? Either go to a, to enter the workforce, um, go to a two-year college or get your credentialing or to go to a four-year institution and get a college degree. On the back end of it, we're trying to create an environment for businesses to thrive and a place for where you can start a business. And so that's what I think is special about our relationship, not only uh, as husband and wife, but two people who are very passionate about what they do in life and um, um, fighting hard uh, to make it happen. Just wanted some change. Yeah, you know, and I always tell people change is uh, can be a good and a bad thing. Yeah. But what I tell people is that I think we wanted progress, right? Um, you can see as change as I think is evolution, right? Um, taking things and making it, you know, better. Uh, the Japanese have a term called kaisan, which means continual uh, improvement. Uh, and that's how you have to look at it every day. How can we improve? How can we make something better? And I think the seat that I sit in right now is exactly that, right? Taking a call from a constituent who says, Mayor, this is happening in my neighborhood, right? And how can we work together to 
to change it for the better, uh, to, to move the needle, right? Because look, I'll tell you this. Um, nothing, there's no magical switch that's going to turn things over every, you know, as soon as I got elected, same like that people are hoping in 2021, there's some magic dust that gets sprinkled at midnight and all of a sudden, you know, we're not going to be dealing with the things we're dealing with. Yeah. I like, can't wait for 2021. Um, it's the same way with being elected. It is a gradual and constant turning of the Titanic, right? Uh, for every new relationship that you build and every new um, person that you sit at a table with is perspective that you gain to be able to kind of shift um, where we want to go uh, as a community. And um, I enjoy it, man. I, I really do. Um, when you think about and you boil it down to the basics, as I mentioned earlier, and what you do every day is you get up and you get to help people. Yeah. And that's where and it's a great job. So it really is. And it's fulfilling. You know, same way with the Marine Corps. It's the same feeling being mayor is the same way that I felt in the Marine Corps because you are serving a calling and you're serving a, a purpose, right? And you're, um, that's why they talk about the adjustment from military to civilian life. Had an 18, 19 year old young man or young woman in charge of millions of dollars worth of equipment, right? They felt like they were a part of something bigger, right? And that the work that they are doing is good quality work. And that's how I feel about serving uh, our community and, um, I really haven't had time to sit back and pinch myself yet yeah. about because we had a 10-day transition. I really, I, I can remember the day that I was walking vividly in my mind probably two weeks after being elected and I'm walking from the Civic Center from a meeting back to City Hall by myself. I stopped across the street and I was seeing City, I was looking at City Hall and I was like, you're the mayor, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like... Hold on a second, and I stopped there, and I, I just I took a second just to think about it, and um, the gravity of that kind of caught me for a second, and it was just I was proud, yeah, right. I was proud that people put their faith and their trust in me. Um, I was proud to think about where we came from, the day we we just said I want to run, and most people in this city were like. Who's Friday Ellis, <laughs> right? A little cigar shop owner, right, in the Garden District. And, um, you know, but our message resonated. Um, I think people wanted to see that shift and that momentum shift, and it happened. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud I get the opportunity to lead the city forward. And so you would probably say that moment right there where you saw City Hall, because I usually ask this question to a lot of people who are elected <laughs> officials or yeah. something like that was your – Oh, wow moment. Yeah. Like, that's the first moment. Because some people don't have it when they're like, yeah. you're now the mayor. Yeah. And they're like, okay, let's do this. And then it takes a little while yeah. for people to be like, this is my job now. Yeah. So it's like, I am. Like, whenever something happens in Monroe, I'm the person they're going to go to and be like, mayor, we got to do something about this. Like, you're the one, you yep. know. You know, I had a phone call with one of the governor's staff members yesterday. And I talked to him, and he said, Mayor, he said, let me tell you something. Outside of the mayor, the governor, and the president, you all are executives. You can make things happen. He says, any other elected position can put together plans and hope they can happen. Yeah. But you can pick up a phone call and make it happen. He said, this person over here can't fill a pothole, but you can. 
this person over here can't install a culvert, but you can. Um, but yeah, you know, it, when I mentioned earlier, I didn't get that transition period to where I can reflect on what just happened because yeah. I'm going to tell you, day one, we were faced with one of the largest and most public police brutality cases ever yeah. in the city of Monroe, publicly. Um, that was, you know, we live in an age of technology now where everybody has information at their face. Everybody knows that something's happening. That's right. Um, day one, we picked up the phone and had to call the DOJ and the FBI, right? That was a, a moment right there that we didn't, you know what I'm saying? There was no transition. It was straight to work. You knew, like, this is serious. That's right. Under, and still going under COVID precautions. Yeah. Two hurricanes to blow through in one year. Yeah. Like, I would have never thought I would have seen a hurricane in Monroe. Yeah. But then again, well, I never thought that I would see back-to-back tornadoes, one in Ruston one year and then one uh, in Monroe yeah. the following year in that short amount of time. So, man, just the body of work and the things that have happened while still running uh, the day-to-day with the city and working with our uh, department heads to run the city for day-to-day it was a cold water bath, kind of drinking water through a fire hose. Yeah. But the one thing I did have came to appreciate from all of this was the fact that we've got good employees, right? Um, they have built a hedge of protection around me to help me succeed because they understand when I'm successful, the city's successful. Um, and so it's been good. Uh, it's been good. I, I walked into second, uh, an empty second floor. Um, uh, prior walkouts from the previous administration, um, you know, uh, we were left with legal on the second floor and um, uh, to build our team, right? We Again, that transition period is for you to build your team yeah, and to bring people to the table. We didn't get that, so we literally have, to, have been hiring. We have a couple um, people that, we, you know, we've had to hire and, and, and more hires that have to happen. And 10 but days ain't a long, a long enough time for all that kind right. of stuff. But one thing I would not allow myself to do was be reactionary with hires. Yeah. I believe that we should we should find talent, not only talent, but talent that fits with our vision and our uh, dynamic here. Um, because it's, cause if you make a conscious uh, decision about who you're gonna hire, it really makes your life easier. I look at my, one of my very first hires was Doug Seegers over um, community affairs. Um, Doug was from Monroe and you know I, when we talked, Doug was like, I want to leave a legacy here in Monroe that people can remember. And so he's over parks uh, and recs and the Civic Center and uh, all of our golf courses and zoos and things like that. And um, he's somebody that his, he worked for West Monroe and you can just the, just the work, the body of work he did for Caroli Park um, and with some beautification efforts over in West Monroe spoke for themselves and, um, you know, when our next hire was uh, the zoo director, which is Tom Pearson, somebody who's dedicated his life to serving, uh, volunteering there at the zoo. A lot of people don't understand that about Tom, as he's been working for years out at the zoo volunteering. This was an opportunity for him. What a great guy to lead the charge. I, I, <laughs> I was visiting the zoo, and I saw Tom giving a tour to people, um, just showing them around. And just the look on Tom's face of just it was like a kid opening a present at Christmas time could tell that this guy loved the zoo he was happy about where he was at and he was proud 
to be able to be in that position. That's what you want. Yeah. You want people that are passionate about what they're doing to lead, um, and that's what I'm charged with is to find people that are effective uh, but also have a passion and a love for the city uh, to do what they need to do. And um, we're assembling a really good team, and I'm proud of our team that we've put together so far. And like you said about the hurricanes coming through and it's yeah. just one after the other, how do you think Monroe, the city, and the people of Monroe, how have they dealt with the hurricanes? It's, I think, great. I think the patience that has been shown by residents uh, just shows that they understand what we've been through. Uh, Public Works just sent me a cool little infographic, and it shows just the amount of debris that we've picked up within the last four months equals what we've picked up all of last year. And there's still more debris out there. Yeah. Um, but the, our residents have been patient. Um, you know, uh, to some de- to some degree, there are some people that are frustrated, and rightfully so, um, because we just there are areas that we probably just haven't gotten to yet, and or just dealing with the uh, dealing with a subcontractor that we hired out, and getting that you know marriage of those two contractors working together alongside with the city. But for the most part, I think our city understands two hurricanes, um, back to massive back. power outages. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, who would have thought that, you know, um, Calcasieu and, and, and you would see somebody at the very bottom corner of Louisiana and the second highest power outages would happen in northeast Louisiana with yeah. 60,000 people without power. Massive food distribution efforts. I mean, this wasn't just getting food lines. We were loading up trailers with food and going door to door with our residents here in Monroe. Because think about it, when you have uh, uh, areas that, let's just say, that are low to mod income, um, one of the biggest struggles is transportation. And if our residents don't have the means to which to go to get the supplies that they need, we wanted to ensure that we could get that to our residents. But not only that, um, one of my other guys that I hired here, DJ Fortenberry, had this great idea. He said, let's take Energy's power outage map. Whoever doesn't have power, let's bring them the dry goods boxes. And whoever who just had power restored that may have lost food, bring them the frozen food boxes because they can keep that food cool. Yeah. So we were literally loading up half and half trailers uh, to bring dry goods to those who didn't have the ability to cook and then the frozen foods to people who just had power restored and going door to door and doing that. That's what I love about our team is because we're looking at things differently. Um, Hands on, look, I can do everything I need to do from this phone I've got in my pocket. Um, I could tell you day two of this thing, uh, I said, okay, I can't be in this office. Get me a pair of work boots, get me a pair of jeans, get me a pair of work gloves and let's get out there and figure out because you can't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You have to be on boots on the ground. You have to be... Um, you got to be out there with them. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I remember whenever the hurricane happened and yeah. it's just on Channel 8 and saying, yeah. oh, there's Mayor Ellis on Channel yeah. 8 again. Then, oh, there's another hurricane. And, all right, and you're like, well, I'm yeah. back out here. Well, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something and I, I, you could be the first to hear it um, and I'm not going to name drop but we got a phone call and basically said that we have a a uh, elected official who wants to come and you know um, meet with you during the hurricane and uh, after the aftermath and I said well I can tell you this if they want to meet with me they can get a pair of work boots and work gloves and meet me in this field 
and they can walk right walk right along with me. I said, but can I, I can't dedicate three hours of my time to meet with somebody when I have people here who need resources and this, that, and the other. And it was kind of funny because um, we had some department heads around and they were like, wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was like, but that's yeah. it. You know, I, I got elected to serve and I got elected to lead. You can't lead in a meeting. Sorry. Uh, especially when people, you want me, let's get on a phone call and let's talk to somebody. But I felt like my presence was needed in the public with our people, um, helping them in tangible ways. Um, you know, you can, you can send me an email of what all you want me to discuss and we can, I can email you that night while I'm home. But every hour was critical. Every minute was critical and being boots on the ground and seeing what needed to be done trumped anything, uh, that anybody else would come in to say, Hey, look, yeah, call me. Yeah. You want to see what's going on? Roll with me, you know? So. And so, of course, the big topic that's been yeah. happening throughout the whole year, yeah. COVID. Yeah. How have you and your family been during COVID? So we've been good. You know, our, our daughter um, is, um, you know, she's immune compromised. Um, so we have been, look, we, I'm surprised to have any skin left on my hands because, you know, when I come home, it's always, hey, hand sanitized, yeah. you know. We've been, we've been okay, you know, when I say... I don't think I could have picked a better family to quarantine with. <laughs> you know, yeah. we have fun together. That's our family. You know, um, I love my wife, and we we cut up, we clown. Um, you know, our kids are, you know, just little clones of us, and we 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 enjoy our time and we love spending time with them. Like I see your shirt right now. You got a bounty hunter shirt. We've enjoyed yeah. that. We've enjoyed the, uh, uh, Mandalorian, yeah. uh, rewatching old star Wars series and, and to and do things like that yeah. with our family. Just reconnecting. Yeah. My son is, uh, he's an artist and this time has given him time to work on his drawing and his and art and things like that. Um, you know, being, uh, my wife being an educator and someone who, who, was a big proponent of um, uh, Skype and other tools like that to bring you know education to kind of like the 21st century yeah. she was already cool with that so it was like when it was time to Skype and get our kids online she was already on it you know what I mean but it's interesting that you would mention COVID right now um, because one of the things we're seeing is that um, especially in our schools across the state is that there is a huge disparity in uh, people not being able to access the internet properly um, because right now you get the internet you can afford yeah. and imagine uh, a family living in poverty where you have either mother and dad working from home and three children all online trying to Skype and learn you don't have the bandwidth to handle that yeah. um, so then mom or dad is uh, then subject to go on their data plan for their phones and then your data plan is through the roof and it costs you more money now um, and it puts you in a pickle. And so one of the things that initiatives that we um, are looking into is finding ways to partner with our communications or finding ways that the city can come up with new um, and innovative ways to find, help people connect and to give them better bandwidth um, for them to connect because right now um, I think outside of the basic um, symptoms of COVID that you and I would get if we had the disease 
I think the other symptomatic problems of COVID are going to pop up. They're going to rear their ugly head in about 10, 15 years. Yeah. When we see the learning gaps in our children right now going through schools. Um, and I, and a lot of people, I may get some pushback from people saying, well, you know, mayor, you don't have any say so over the school district, but you know what? They're also my citizens in, in, in my city. And it is my charge to be able to, um, for think of ways that we can help and work in coordination with Monroe City Schools, yeah. work in coordination to help families right now to either work from home, uh, to, to have their kids educated from home, because right now we don't see an end in sight with COVID. We, we, we hear about a vaccine, but do we know the effectiveness, the broad effectiveness yeah. of the vaccine? Um, Any after effects too yeah. because of that. So Yeah, well, we're seeing, look what's happening in the Midwest with numbers. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean it, it really is. It's scary because it looks like a, a second wave of this coming around or maybe uh, in areas that, uh, as you see the progression of this thing, it's heading further south. Um, it's like the biggest spike is yeah. soon almost as much as it was at the beginning when everybody, because it hit like right after Mardi Gras happened and all that, you know, because yeah. people were down in Mardi Gras and then like a week or two later, it was like, all right, we all got to stay yeah. home. So that's why. Yeah. It's and coming you, back. You know, I, 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 I'm by no means uh, the the perfect uh, COVID uh, uh, example uh, for people, but because there's times where I slip and I realize, oh my goodness, I don't have my mask. Let me go run inside and grab it. Or, yeah. um, by the way, I think what what I hope we don't do is to get uh, let our guard down. Right. Um, I think there needs to be, I think the word that keeps coming to mind right now, uh, and it has through this whole process, is called grace. Right. Um, we're all trying to navigate this. Um, I always tell people that be respectful of one another. Uh, if you choose to wear a mask, um, you know, thank you. Uh, if, and if you're somebody who doesn't wear a mask, be respectful of people who do choose to wear a mask. Stay six feet apart right um do the things that we all know help stop the spread of this thing wash your i always tell my kids wash your nasty hands all the things yeah. we knew as children our parents told us yeah. to do wash your hands before you go and you yeah. know eat your food or uh you know uh, now the government's telling us to yeah do that. but it is you yeah. know but it's it, it is guys let's let's work together and do this be respectful of your neighbor uh and and your, and your fellow man and woman uh, but but realize that this thing is a killer and it's deadly. Uh, think about the election and uh, one of the candidates that was running in this election. One of my opponents, great guy, um, lost his mother, lost his father, lost his older brother. His sister contracted it, and he contracted it. Um, it's that is a you know I can't wrap my head around yeah. that, and I can't understand you know to put myself in their shoes. But every day we're seeing. You know, I think this thing gets closer to home, uh, to us, and to different people. But I think it's time to be respectful of your neighbor and your citizen. Um, don't turn this into the new Republican or Democrat yeah. issue. This is about um, this. Don't make this the new politics. Make this being respectful of one another, and we'll come out on the other side together if we're just respectful um, of our neighbors and the situation because it is. Um, I, we, you know, every year we make plans to leave town, yeah, uh, and visit uh, family members and friends in the north. Um, this side, we this time we decided to stay home because 
if you think about it, um, I don't want to know that I was our family would have been the ones who are asymptomatic, who brought it up there and gave it to somebody. Um, I, I, you, yeah, that's just a decision we made, and and maybe it's cool. It's time we get together. I said I've got a new smoker at the house, so maybe I'll fire up the new smoker and <laughs> yeah. and uh, see if I can ruin a turkey for Thanksgiving. Uh, but that's that's just something that we decided to do as a family and be respectful of our friends in the north, and it yeah. kills us. Because my daughter every year looks forward to this trip, and she actually wrote a little note uh, to the family, uh, and uh, yeah, she was disappointed. But this is also a learning opportunity for your children. Um, you know, they say if you want to go, was, uh, kind of, look how cheesy I am about to quote Mother Teresa here. But it's something that's always stuck with me. Is like if you want to change the world, go home and love your family, right, yeah. and teach them the right way to live. And this is a learning opportunity for family members. And so uh, just don't let your guard down um, and do what we can and be respectful of others. And look, it's kind of funny because as we raise our children, we have one rule in our house for our children. It's be be respectful. And if you're respectful in what you do, you're not going to run any problems. And disrespect has many forms, right? Our only rule in our house is whenever you're dealt with a situation or you're dealing with a situation, think about, am I being respectful, right? And that's kind of the one thing that I would wish that we all are of other people is respectful of other people. And I think we all live by that little one simple rule. I think we could get through this a lot better. But um, like I said, with most things, and I think too, um, you know, we're in the middle, we were in the middle of an election cycle. Yeah. Right? Uh, and and, And, you know, you always hate for these things to become the new politics. And um, when all this has to do is being respectful for your friends and your neighbors, that's if you boil it down to that, we're we're pretty good. Yeah. And one last question about COVID is that how do you think the city of Monroe has dealt with it so far since it's basically started? Well, it's, I think it's a two-headed coin. Um, on one hand, you see people who are really, really going the extra mile, business owners who are sanitizing their deal and and, and, um, making it a safe place for people to be, um, people wearing their masks in and out. And limiting the uh, amount of customers and all that. Yeah, and limiting exposure. But on the other hand, you know, on on this side of things, you know, you hear of these mass gatherings of people who are a thousand plus people just getting together. Two, three hundred, four hundred people throughout this whole pandemic getting together yeah. and hosting these side parties and things like that. I would tell you this: I would hate to know that I contracted COVID and I went home on Sunday and gave it to my grandmother or my aunt or uncle. Um, you know, it's it's that's that's a tough position to be in is to hear of these things on Monday that went down over the weekend and um, and it you know a lot of these things too it's tough as a mayor you have to make these decisions especially when there's a statewide mandate that you can't have over 250 people you know at an organized function together and a lot of this is uh, things that earn revenue for businesses things that earn revenue for, um, you know, uh, organizations. Um, but for the most part, I, like I said, I've seen the best and I've seen the worst um, uh, on this side of things. But I think if 
again, if we could all go back to that one little rule, whenever we do, or we host things or we do things, let's just be respectful of one another. And But also, show a little grace to those that may not be in a situation. I'm going to tell you I got a... I got uh, mask shamed uh, one time when I was out because I literally... Because you were wearing one? Well, no. So, oh. no, because I wasn't wearing one. Oh. I got out of my vehicle like most of us do. Yeah. And I was about to go into an establishment and somebody was coming out and they just just lit into yeah. me. And part of me was like, yeah, I kind of deserve that. The other side of me was like, you know, there probably would have been a more diplomatic way to uh, address that situation. Uh, and... Um, but I, I just think if we show a little grace and are a little more respectful for one another and do all the things that we know stop the spread of this, I think we'd all be in a better place. And to, to end this off, because I think we've reached our time limit, yeah. is there anything you'd like to add to COVID, anything, Monroe, anything you'd like to say? No, I, I honestly, I, every opportunity that I get to talk to people about Monroe and how to grow and how to move forward. I always tell people that, um, you know, what I've known about Monroe is that a lot of times that there are things that I can do as a mayor uh, that can grow the city. But I think the thing that needs to change about our community, brick and mortar can't fix. Yeah. And the way we talk about our community and the way that um, people, and maybe some beliefs that there's this belief that it can't happen here in Monroe, right? Um, but I want to tell people we're worthy of whatever it is that Monroe has coming for it, right? Uh, we're, we're destined for big things. We have good people. You can read every economic development report or every single asset assessment of our region, and it will tell you what we already know. The strength is in our people. We have good people, right? Um I have a. I had a conversation with the Baton Rouge Area Foundation, and um, I was talking to them about some ideas and things to move forward. And they were really sold, and they were like, "I can definitely tell your passion, Mayor, and this, that, and the other." But I want to remind you, money is never the issue with any of these things. A lack of vision and a lack of belief from the citizens to believe it can happen is what keeps things from moving forward, right? And so um, it really convicted me from that meeting to come home and to be to dream big as I tell people and to bite let's let's bite off more than we can chew yeah um, you know that old saying shoot for the stars and you may land on the uh, you know shoot for the stars you might land on the moon and it's a uh, yep <laughs> and it's you know you've accomplished something big and, and but I believe um, with with having that vision and understanding that we can do big things here um, that it's not just a mayor, it's not just a city council, it's not just civic organizations working hard. If we realize, and maybe go back to that one thing, how can I help my neighbor, right? How can I be respectful to help my neighbor? Where can I go to meet new people? Where can I go to get plugged in to do the things we need to do? We're going to accomplish some big things. Um, but I always tell people, I need your help, right? I need yeah. you to volunteer. I need you to get plugged in. And that we're going to do some big things here in Monroe, and I'm I'm appreciative of the opportunity to serve, and that the citizens put their trust in me and uh, our administration, and um, we're going to work hard. Well, thank you for being here. Yeah, as a guest. Well, you're here on my on my podcast, but I'm here yeah. in 
That's City okay. Hall, so. At least my dad would say, it's your world, I'm just passing through. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> hopefully you can be on again, maybe in like another yeah. year or so, see I'd how you're doing, that. you know, yeah, check up, it. and hopefully you'll be on again in the future. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. As always, please rate and subscribe and follow the Toddcast on Instagram for updates at the underscore Toddcast underscore only on Instagram to get all your updates about the Toddcast. And tell your friends and tell your family to give a listen. And thank all of you for listening to this episode. And if you want to know what's going to happen next week, well, you're just going to have to tune in to find out. Only on the Toddcast.